Are you ready to uncover the power within you? Are you ready to kick butt at life? Are you ready to get this party started? This is Shut Up and Grind. If it's about fitness, women's empowerment, personal development, small business marketing, relationships, Robert B. Foster is talking about it. Robert is a gym owner. He went from foreclosure to multiple six figures in 12 months. Helped thousands of women shed weight and inches while becoming more confident. And a six times gold medalist in the Transplant Games of America. Get ready for Shut Up and Grind. Here's your host, Robert B. Foster. This is Rob Foster with RBF Fitness and Nutrition. Public speaking is the number one fear in the world. I started a business during the recession in 2009 here in the U.S. People upgrade their iPhones, they upgrade their Androids, they upgrade their laptops, but they're operating with the same brain that they operated with for the last decade. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. You know why you do what you do. So racism, it's out there, but it doesn't have to stop you. Just because somebody might look at you a certain way, that doesn't have to stop your forward progress. I mentor people with master's degrees, with PhDs, and I help people who have been in business for a long time. I had deal with, with a nutrition store maybe a half mile away from my facility, and we, we cross-promote. You know, we help out to give our clients what they need. That's where you have to eliminate the excuses. You gotta make that game plan say, for me to get to that point, Right. Happy Wednesday, everyone. This is Rob Foster with Shut Up and Grind, helping you navigate through tough times. So today, we're going to stick with the same theme of the past couple shows, and we're going to talk about getting your mind right. So we know 2020 was a kick in the face for everybody. It, It affected the entire globe. But the question is, how did you respond to that kick in the face? Because we all took it, but some people pivoted. For some people, they're hanging on by a thread. And so I keep bringing on guest after guest just to give you all different perspectives on how to get your mind right and how to take what happened this year and spin it to your advantage so you can have a prosperous 2021 and to make you and your mind unbreakable to anything that life throws at you, you can get through it. And I have a guest today that's going to help Help me talk you guys through this. We're here for you. If you're joining joining in, hit that share button. Even if you can't hang out for the whole hour, just hit that share button because there may be someone in your circle that can benefit 
from this message. All right, so the woman I'm bringing on today, she was once a collegiate and professional athlete. And now she's a magician known as the queen of reframe. Her clients describe her as relentless in helping others reach their goals. Many of her clients have doubled and even tripled their income. Do I have your attention? As a result of her guidance. And now she's here to help you become who you were meant to be. So please help me welcome Carol Boston. Welcome, Carol. I love that that intro, that's awesome. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> so, thank you for for joining, and uh, just take a couple couple seconds and just uh, tell the folks about about yourself. What do you do? Awesome. Um, born in West Texas, grew up in the Deep South in Louisiana, and uh, was very blessed to get a tennis scholarship to LSU. I didn't start playing until I was fifteen. Uh, a quick story behind that: I was raised in a very competitive household, and I know I that still- feeling. <laughs> when I was when I was 13, my dad said, let's go play tennis. And I said, what's that? Now, I was raised in the country, so I knew how to play football, baseball, and basketball with the boys. I didn't even know what having girlfriends was. It was all boys. And he said, it's a lot like baseball. You can do this. And so we went down to the courts, and I couldn't. I mean, it did not come naturally at all. And I walked up and put the racket down on the ground right in front of the net. And I looked at my dad, and I said, don't you ever – asked me to do this again. You brought me out here to embarrass me. Mm. Fast, fast forward to someone. And I noticed my peers would go down and play. Tennis. Well, up comes that competitive nature, right? If they can do it, I can do it. Now we mm. didn't come for money. I've never had a private lesson. Uh, we didn't belong to a country club. So what I did is you remember when we had the old wooden rackets? <laughs> wooden. Yes. <laughs> that was me. Old Dan yeah. Smith, Wilson Smith. And um, I got a racket. And I would go down and I would sit on the sidelines and listen to the pro teach the other kids. And I thought, my mind's a sponge. That's how I'm going to learn. There's a point to my story here. The next thing I did is I started getting people that were much better than me to play with me because I thought if I can play with people better, I'll get better. And that translates into leadership and mindset. You and I talk about that right right in our business now because you become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Who's Who are you playing in the game? Who's in the game? With you, right. So I was very blessed. I got on the high school team and I played number six. Now, number six is at the bottom, but at least number six yeah. gets to play. Yeah. And the other girls, the other girls on the team all came from money, all started when they were five. And they had a private coach named Jerry and Jerry took a liking to me. And so he would do things like call me up and he'd say, Carol, I'm going to be working on Lawrence forehand today. You want to come return? And I'd be like, yeah, because I was a sponge and I learned. Mm. Now, my end of my junior year, um, my, I told you I'm from the deep south. My dad's got a really Southern accent, right? And he goes, <laughs> he goes, now, Carol, you need to get a job or you need to get an academic scholarship. I can't send you to college. And I said, but dad, I'm going to get a tennis scholarship. Nice. He, he paused. He looked on his nose at me. And he said, like I said, get a job or get an academic scholarship. But part of the point of this story is, Robert, is there or someone else had a vision for me that was holding that vision that I could actually get a tennis scholarship. And so I chose to trust in someone else's vision for me until I could believe it for myself. Mm. I ended up getting three full offers. They weren't to colleges I wanted to go to. I got a half ride to LSU and I wanted to be an LSU fighting tiger. So I took out a half loan, excuse me, a student loan for the other half of the pay. 
And off I went. And guess what happened? I started at number six. I started at number six again, right at the bottom. And one of the things I learned many years later from my mentor that I share <clears throat> when I'm speaking and stuff in business, uh, his name was Keith Cunningham. He wrote an amazing business book called The Keys to the Vault. And he said, everybody starts at the back of the line. You got to get in line and stay in line. The question is, how long can you hold the vision? Yes. And so often I find with entrepreneurs, we're looking for our family or our friends to hold that vision for us. But God didn't give our vision, our dream to them. He gave it to us. So we're the ones that are responsible for who's in the game with us, who's lifting us up and who are we surrounding ourselves with? So there I was at LSU <clears throat> playing number six and uh, had a pretty good year. My first year gave my coach a lot of heart attacks. I lost a lot of first set. <laughs> I was a slow starter. And <clears throat> when my teammates all took off for the summer, I went and got on the 21 and under tour. And I tell leaders in business, sometimes you have to be willing to practice when other people are resting. It doesn't mean that you never rest, but sometimes you have to make that decision. And that's what I did. Yes. At the beginning of my sophomore year, guess what happened? What happened? We had tryouts and I went from number six to number two. Nice. And then by the middle of that year, I went from number two to number one. And then I got a full ride and became team captain for three years. All right. L so, let me let me stop you right there before before you continue, because you've you've uncovered a lot already. Yeah. And so one thing one thing I want to zero in on, I was actually on someone else's podcast last night saying pretty similar things to what you were just saying. But one thing that one of my mentors always says is be so good that they can't ignore you. And so, so when you were talking about not coming from, from money, couldn't afford the private lessons, but that other coach still took notice of you yes, and still invited you in somewhat. And, mm -hmm. and I just started thinking of my mentor saying that to, to us, cause she, she tells us every time we, we have a coaching call, it's like, be so good that they can't ignore you. And so I just wanted to reiterate that for, for people who maybe haven't come from money, privilege, wh whatever you want to call it, and meaning meaning economic privilege, and sure. and you know you, like you can't afford the private lessons or anything of that matter. That doesn't that doesn't make a difference. Like if you're so good that people can't ignore you, doors will open. Absolutely, mm -hmm. okay. absolutely. I love the way you stated that. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so continue sophomore year tryouts. You were up to number two. Up to number two, uh, then I made it up to number one and became the team captain for three years. And what's interesting is I loved having that leadership role, never knowing that I was going to end up becoming a business leadership coach. And so when you look back, I always say you can see God working when you look backwards. Yes. And so not only did I, I trust in someone else's vision until I could believe it that got me to LSU, it's actually what got me to take the next step in my career. So there I was in 1987, going through a divorce. I knew I did not want to be a tennis teaching professional the entire for the rest of my life. And my car caught on fire. Oh my so God. Who, who do you think I called? My, the insurance company wouldn't pay for it, Rob. So I called my dad. Yep. My dad says, now, Carol, you know I'm not in that kind of insurance. But if you come home, I know somebody help you get a car, even if you don't have a job. So mm -hmm. off I went. Deep yeah. south, right? Freeport, Louisiana now. And I get a new car and I hustle over to Dallas, Texas, and I lived with my second cousin. She was um, head of personnel for Neiman Marcus. Mm -hmm. Now, this is back when the U.S. government had just broken up the monopoly of AT&T and all the baby bells. 
This is oh, when yeah. long, long distance competition came in, right? Sprint was born and MCI was born. I got hired by a company called Metro Media Communications. And the lady said, will you come in and meet my boss, the vice president tomorrow? And I said, sure. So get all dressed up the next day, go back in there. She interviews me. She kind of sits back and she says, I'll see you in Miami in a week. And I set up and I said, no, you won't. Now, mind you, I needed a job. <laughs> I said, you have an office in Dallas. I'm interviewing in Dallas. My friends from the tennis tour are in Dallas and my family is three and a half hours away. I'm working in Dallas. And she calmly looked at me again and she said, but I need somebody really strong in Miami in a week. And I pushed back again. I was like, how do you know I'm strong? I've never done this before. And she said, just trust me and be there in a week. And so I did. And my trusting in her vision for me led to a more than 26 year successful sales career for Fortune 100 companies. Nice work. So I'm encouraging your audience sometimes, even if you can't see it for yourself, when you're surrounding yourself with good people, you can trust in their vision for you until you can believe it for yourself. Agreed. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah, like I tell people, you know, whether you're, you're religious or whether you're not religious, you know, faith is believing without seeing. Yes. And if you have that faith, you can get it done. Cause even when I'm working with, with my, my fitness clients, I'm constantly advancing them before they even think they're ready. And mm. Then they'll they'll accomplish the task and they'll be like, how did you know? I'm like, it's my job to know. <laughs> like, you know like it, it's my job to, to see your abilities before you can see your abilities. Yeah. And it's the same thing in business. It's the same thing in sports. Yep. Like th there was many, many times, like as a captain of, of my track team, where like I'll go, go to my other teammates. But hey, listen, Kyle, today's your day. Right. Today is your day. You're going to crush that event. And he's like, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm feeling it. Like, I'm telling you, get your mind right. Today is your day. And he goes out there and he has a PR. You know, just it's just mm. sometimes it's something so simple, so simple. But by somebody else believing in you, it unlocks power in you. Yes. Right. Yeah, it unlocks that power in you. And then when you unlock yours, somebody else in your circle is going to unlock theirs. And it's a pretty awesome cycle that happens as a result. Exactly. I love, I love that ripple effect. I think it, it's one of the reasons you and I love what we do, right? We know that we can touch and transform one life, but that, that life is going to touch and transform a lot of other lives. Yes. Yeah. And people, and people have to understand that regardless of what's happened in the past, because have I made, made mistakes in the past? Absolutely. I definitely have. But, but people think just because they have doesn't mean that they can't get past it and move forward. You know, yes. like, cause I believe in just putting, putting everything out on the table and then you're able to move on from it, regardless of how bad it was. There's this, there's a young man, Marcus Johnson, I believe his name is, he was in and out of jail multiple times. And this guy's on the verge of becoming a billionaire now, like a billionaire entrepreneur. Like wow. he, he, he's got the face tattoos. He's got the gold teeth. Like he's got the whole nine. He's got the jail tattoos. He's got it all. But he flipped it. He mm. completely flipped it. And he's just going around inspiring. Like he, he pretty much, I don't want to say he sticks to, but his main demographic is, you know, at risk in inner city youth. And he's helping them build generational wealth. You know, so despite his rough upbringing, he's he still flipped the script and now he's making an impact in the world. That's awesome. I had not heard that story. What what how did he make his billions? What does he do? He's into digital marketing. Mm. 
Good yeah. for him. Yeah, he's he's crushing it. He he was a speaker at a, at a speaker boot camp I went to down in Atlanta a couple of years ago. Wow, I'm gonna have to look him up. That's an inspirational story. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's insane. <laughs> yeah, like I'll I'll try to find find his web, his website and I'll send it to you. Absolutely, and you remind me something that you said uh, is something I work with my clients on as well. And um, one of the talks I was invited. Actually, I was paid uh, six times last year to speak inside American Express and teach. Mm. And we're, we're going to get to it in a little bit about empowering questions, right? That's how I became known as the queen of reframe. Yeah. But the, top, the title of my talk, three times I gave the same talk in different divisions. And it was um, failing courageously, how to turn small steps into giant leaps. Mm, right? I like that. That's exactly what you're talking about with your clients, right? You, it's the small step, but you got to see it and you help your clients just like I do. Because we understand that all you have to do is take the next step. You know all the steps, right? Yes. Yep. You just got to take the next step. And so there I was, 26 years in corporate American sales, sold over $70 million in revenue, walked the stages, got the awards. I thought I had it made, man. I could do this in my sleep. Mm. Until I got that call one day. And they told me they were cutting my territory by 80%. And I was like, 80%? I've been building this territory for six and a half years. Well, you didn't have yep. to tell me price, right? It was time to look for so mm. I, I was a weird salesperson for all you people out there that say you don't like sales. I was a weird salesperson because I loved large corporate structure and I'm a rule follower. And that is not true for most salespeople. Yes. So I, a friend of mine whispered in my ear about an opportunity at a really small company. And I was hesitant at first because I like large you know, structure, but off I went. And after two interviews, Robert, they hired me. They doubled my base pay plus commissions, gave me a director title. I could just see the potential. Now, I had negotiated a vacation up front because I'd already paid for it in my contract. So six weeks into this job, I'm on vacation. Um, I don't know if I asked you this. Have you ever been to the world's largest hot air balloon festival in Albuquerque, New Mexico? I've been to Albuquerque, but not to the not to the festival now. Put it on your bucket list. Next October is their 50th anniversary. It's going to be phenomenal to go to that morning ascension and see hundreds of balloons rise at sunrise, all sizes and shapes and colors against a blue sky. It's There's a lot to see and do there, but it's just beautiful. So there we were on vacation. And at the time, I was being what I thought was a good employee, and I was staying in touch with my boss while I was on vacation. I do not advocate that for my clients anymore, but at the <laughs> time, that's right. What does Maya Angelou say? She says, we do the best we can with what we know and we learn better, we do better. So there I was and I got an email asking my opinion on something. So I replied right back and I waited because he usually, and he didn't. So we went out, we enjoyed our day. We came in that night and there goes my phone, ding. It's like, Carol Boston, you've got mail. And here's what it said. It said, Carol, comma, that's what you really think. And it had five question marks behind it. Then it said, don't bother coming into this office on Monday. When your vacation is over, you're done here. Wow. I don't get fired, I thought. Right? I'm a great employee. And I came back to Florida and I had an interview the very next day. And I interviewed, I was flown all over this country, Chicago. My goodness, I can't remember, Austin, Texas, Atlanta, Philadelphia. I was flown all over, sometimes four, four interviews deep wow. to, crickets, to crickets. I mean, I was depleting my 401k because I was trying to do what? stay in my comfort zone. So faith is my foundation. And many, many months into this process, I, I finally just kind of yelled at God. I was like, God, <laughs> I like, look, you made me, you know, I'm not cut out to be an entrepreneur. I do not want to own my own business. You've got to help me find a good job. 
And literally two weeks to the day from that prayer, out of the blue, I get an email from a woman that I met one time out of town at a conference. And she gifted me a $3,500 ticket to go to Los Angeles to study at Gorilla Business School. Now, I tell people that my God has a sense of humor because Gorilla Business School was a foundation school for entrepreneurs. <laughs> so I figured, I don't know what I don't know. And what I'm doing isn't working. So off I went to Los Angeles. And the first thing I learned is you can't read the label when you're inside the jar. And we're all yeah. in a jar. We're all in a jar. Yep. And that's one of the things as the queen of reframe, I help my clients do. I help relabel them, right? So they have a new label. So they can let go of that story from the past that you were speaking about earlier, their mistakes or whatever. Yep. And they can anchor into their future. But here, what was really key for me. Say that, say that part again. It, bro it broke up a little. And forgive me. I'm living in transition. I'm sure it's my internet. Um, mm. The last part is I help my clients let go of that story that they've bought yeah. into. It's keeping them in the past. So they can throw an anchor into their future. Yes. Who needed to be. So we said earlier, I love, because how I say it, I actually say that it's biblical, that God says, call things that aren't as though they are. You must believe in, then you see, which is what you said, right? Yep. You've got to call things as though they are. And I was introduced to empowering, and I was stunned. And I was, this is in 2015, and I was determined that I was going to master them. So I began to study with the best. The best I know is Nyrka. Um, I don't even know if she has a last name. I've, I've been to her courses. I've got her book and I've never seen her even have a last name. So when someone says, who's Nyurka? She's half Cuban from Miami. She's amazing. That's all I know. No, actually, <laughs> she was. Um, I'll give her a little plug. She was actually Tony Robbins salesperson, commission only making multiple six figures for many years. Wow. He was game. very he was not happy when she left to go out and start on her own. So I bought her book and I read the chapter. I went to chapter 14 to start studying empowering questions. And I studied with Michael Strasner in leadership and, and John Maxwell, the, all the best. Right. And I kept myself. I kept looking for a job. Robert. I, I just couldn't let go of that comfort zone. And it was actually literally fall of 2017 when I learned a huge lesson because I had two coaching certifications. And I was still holding on to three products. I want you to listen to this, folks. We hold on to things, right? And often the path that we fear the most is the path we're meant to be on. Yeah. But a big, a big lesson I learned at that time is that there was a huge difference between being committed and being convicted. Because I said I was committed to being a coach, but I kept dabbling in all these other services I was trying to sell in my comfort zone. And when I got rid of that and I understood that, let's face it, Robert, people decommit all the time, don't they? They decommit from your yeah. weight programs, right? Yep. They say, I'm married for life until the day I'm not, right? <laughs> but when you're convicted, you won't rest until you get it done. Right, and let, we have to understand. Let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. Yeah. Let me write that down so we don't lose where, where we were. Okay. So, you, so was part of your hesitation because you weren't born from money per se because a lot of people have that fear i, I even think I, I mean my my parents did pretty pretty well but like we weren't you know rich rich you know what i mean mm -hmm. well rich so is part of it that you know like people who are well off kind of get labeled 
You know, like let's say like, oh, they're they're stuck up or they're this or they're selfish. They only think about about themselves. Like, did any of that resonate in your mind while you were still hesitating on moving forward? I don't think it was that. What I think it was is that I people kept telling me, giving me clarity on this was how owning my own business was truly how I was going to be able to make enough money to help enough people that I wanted to help. Right. So that you make more money. Yeah. And I think, I think it's two things. Nobody in my family was ever an entrepreneur. Yeah. All I knew was getting up and going to work for somebody else. Um, one of my biggest challenges in my own business was developing my own structure and my own set of rules. Okay. I was really good at following the rules when somebody else gave them to me. I mean, they loved me in corporate America. My paperwork was always correct. I didn't miss sell anything. I never lied to a client. Um, and so I think in my mind, I saw myself as a salesperson selling for somebody else. Gotcha. And so I think the fear was there, but you bring up a very good point. And I didn't learn this until 2016. I was in a mastermind. And but back in 2006, I walked into the bank one day. This is when I was I was doing well in corporate America. And my friend, the little Chinese lady named Kitten, I walked in and she goes, there's Carol, our next millionaire. Mm. That same week. I went to ABC liquor. I used to collect wine. Yeah. And I had a couple of vaults there and a master sommelier there. I called him Uncle Fred. I was his niece, Carol. Mm. He was my Uncle Fred. So yeah. Uncle Fred, took, Uncle Fred takes me back and I was getting some wine out of my vault. There was another gentleman in the vault. Fred said, I want you to meet my niece. Carol. She's our next millionaire. I said, oh, no, no, no. I'm not a millionaire. And I sabotaged my opportunity to be a millionaire. It mm. wasn't until 2016 that I even recognized. Ten years later, it took me to recognize that I had all these old files running in my head from my dad. Nobody needs that much money. You can't be a Christian and have that much money. Those people are so greedy. Mm. That that was part of what was holding me back. Yes, was was having this a negative perception of money and not understanding that that money's really it's a tool. It's just a tool. Yeah, and absolutely, you know, and and really that nothing has meaning except that's that that which we give it. So I knew now that I could come from a place of choice. My dad gave money that negative value if somebody had too much. And honestly, I got to tell you who say that typically are the ones that don't have much money, right? Exactly. It's judgment. It's just a judgment. And um, so that was a big piece of it. And I think it was just fear of um, my coach at the time would tell you it was fear of success. Um, I think part of that developed in me was the, that's why I was procrastinating. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, I just told my mom just last week, cause you know, I'm launching my, my coaching program. And I just told her, I was like, I'm excited. I said, but I'm not going to lie. I'm a little nervous too. And then she's like, why are you nervous? I said, because I mean, I've done well with the gym. Yeah. But I also had a couple bit business partners because I, I always say I'm the performer. Like, okay. I'm not, I'm not the production company. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like the production company, they do all the back end stuff, all the follow up, and the artist just shows up, gets on stage, and wows the crowd. Like, that's me. I belong on stage. So it's all that back office stuff that scares me. So and with my business partners, I had a falling out with them. And mm. so and I was like, I got that, I got that trust issue. Like I actually signed up for your Facebook group. And oh, that, yeah, and that was the question. You're know, like, what's your fear? Like, like my fear is just trusting again. And I, cause I know I can't get to where I want to get to on my own. 
So like that, that's my own internal thing. It's like, I have to trust again and it's tough, but that's what was holding me back. And I was just telling my mom, I was like, I know I can do this. I was like, I'm, I'm getting on other people's podcasts on the regular. People are coming on mine on the regular. I said, I'm getting mm-hmm. opportunities left and right. I said, so I just know that I need that. Just that one person that doesn't want to be a performer. They just want to be the production company. <laughs> so, and eventually I keep putting it out there and I'm going to find that person. Absolutely. I mean, I'll tell you right now, one of the things that I did that hurt me is that I was trying to do everything. And I was the girl that was going to shake your hand and give you a hug. Yeah. That was me in corporate America. And so for the first two, until COVID, that's how I was building my business. I went to so many networking events. You wouldn't even believe it day and night. And I, but I loved it. And that's how I was building my business until COVID hit. And you talked about, you know, um, pivoting earlier. So there I am in April. We don't have time for the whole story, but last July, last July, I sold my house of 26 years that I thought I was going to live in forever to take the equity out, right? Mm. To pay off the debt. And so I could grow this business. And God saw fit for me to move seven times in nine months. I'm someone who loves stability and routine. Like, here's a quick story, real quick. August 2nd, 2018, I did my very first workshop at Kaiser University. Okay. And then think about that. August 2nd, one year later, I sell my house and I end up having to move seven times in nine months. The title of that course at Kaiser was Navigating a Successful Course in the Winds of Change. Mm. And that is exactly what I've been doing, much to the astonishment, I guess, you know, of, of a lot of people. But um, I totally lost my train of thought there. <laughs> hey, it's live. That's <laughs> right. Just pivot. Pivot. No, no, I know. I know exactly what I'm You were talking about self-trust. And everybody that gets in front of me, I ask them whether they hire me or not. One of the questions I ask them is, do you keep your word more often to other people or to yourself? And without fail, except one time, they all said, oh, no, I keep my word to other people. And I said, do you realize that when you don't keep your word to yourself, you erode self-trust? It's insidious. Yep. It's insidious. So, you know, I'm so glad you joined my group. It's a new Facebook group. As a matter of fact, I'm get, I'm crafting a new freebie to put in there to give you five empowering questions. We'll talk about empowerment in a minute. Five empowering questions that you can use to begin to step into 2021 as your year with no fear. I like it. I like it a lot. All right. All right. So let's let's get in, into reframing. So uh, yes. like I want to hear your your definition of, of reframing. And empa- empowering questions. And I'm going to give a, a golden nugget to your audience. If you're out there and you got a pen or paper, when you show up and listen to me, I'm going to give you some golden nuggets. Or put, put it in the chat. I don't, I don't know if I can see the chat, but put it in the chat if you're here. An empowering question never, ever, ever starts with the word why. Why brings in defensiveness, which brings in the ego, which brings in emotions. And when emotions go up, intelligence goes down. That is true for every human being. Right. And people equate that with negative emotions. They, oh, yeah, Carol, man, when I get angry, I'll say stuff I don't mean. But what about if your emotions are out of control the other way? And I say, what about the lady who went to Las Vegas to have a good weekend? And she wakes up the next day and wonders who the hell's in the bed with her and what's that ring on her finger? Right. Her emotions, (laughs) her emotions were out of control as well. So an empowering question allows you to reframe 
from focusing on what isn't working and it opens you to opportunities that you've never even considered yet. They cause you to get curious, to ponder, to wonder. They create what I call Oprah aha moments. Yes. And I had someone ask me about that. Wait a minute. The story she gave me was that she asked her kid why he got a D on his report card. And I said, well, how well did that conversation go with for you? She goes, not well. And I said, instead of saying, why did you get a D, which makes them feel shamed and what? They get defensive. They want to defend their position. What if you had asked him this question? What one thing? Because when you're asking empowering questions, you're looking for specificity. I have a hard time saying that you want to be specific. Mm -hmm. What one thing could you do differently next semester to improve that grade? She looked at me. I said, do you think you would have had a different conversation? She's like, yeah. I said, the other thing is, if that child comes up with the answer, they are way more likely to do it. Yeah. Right. So when I say they allow you to reframe from what isn't working and open you to things you've never considered, when you get put an empowering question out to God or the universe, whatever you believe, here's the caveat. Your job is not to figure the answer out. You're telling God in the universe, I am open to seeing something, doing something, saying something or having something I've never considered before. Remember, I said, we can't read the label when you're inside a jar and we're all in a jar. That's why we all need a good coach. Yeah. I mean, you probably already know this. I don't know if your audience does, but at one point, Oprah Winfrey had four coaches. Yeah. And when she had four, she said, well, nobody's an expert in all four quadrants of my life. And I want to know that I'm living my entire life at the highest level. Right. Yep. Yeah, I, I have I have three right now. Yep. I had like one one for speaking, one for media and uh publicity, mm -hmm. and then one for advertising. Good for you. And that's a big thing entrepreneurs need to understand is you have to invest in you. You have to be willing to invest in you. Yep. Let's see if you're gonna ask somebody else to invest in you. I told a, a new client that started with me a couple of months ago, I said, you have to be willing to invest at the level you want to play. Yes. So true. So true. Yeah. Like I, I remember being on the opening teams for restaurants in the past and we would always have so much staff on in the beginning and the people just couldn't under, like, like the staff couldn't understand why, you know, there'd be like 20, 25 servers on and they're like, why are there there's so many of us? And we're like, cause we have the staff for what we want. So mm -hmm. if we only staff for what we have, when what we want comes, we're going to be overwhelmed. And, and thus, that, thus is true. that is so key. And it was something I did not learn right away. And nobody told me when I first started my business, you build the team and then you build the business. Because yes. if you build, you build the business and all of a sudden it's too big and things start falling through the cracks and dropping in the holes and then that can hurt your reputation. Right. Yep, exactly. Like build the team and then build the business. Yep. And um, so that's a nugget. You can learn from my mistakes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But for example, I had a client and um, she owned a dog training company. She just changed her name. She's like the second dog whisperer. She's really cool, like the mystic or something. <laughs> so uh, one day when she first came to see me, I had an office back in 2018. When she first came to see me, she was on time. By the fourth time, she was so late. It was ridiculous. Now she came in. I gave her a hug, set her down. And I said, get out your pen and paper. We cannot let this coaching opportunity go by. And she kind of looked at me kind of sheepishly because we don't typically jump in like that, but I really wanted to, to do this. Now, I want, you to, I want you to really listen to my line and what I did, because most people would have said what? They would have said, why are you late? Mm. They, would have, they would have said that. Yeah. I said, I want you to write this down. She said, okay. 
I gave her two things to write down. The first one is how I do anything is how I do everything. Yes. Right. And she started to do what? What any human being would do to give me a defensive story about why she was late. And I said, no, 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 I don't need a story because this is not about you being late. She looks at me and she goes, it's not. I go, no, this is about where else in your life are you not showing up for you? Mm. And she said, huh? I said, write it down. Where else in your life are you not showing up for you? You pay me in advance for my time. I'm not giving you any money back and I'm not giving you extra time because I have a schedule of clients that I keep. And so she says to me, is that my homework for the week? I said, honey, that's your homework ad nauseum. I want it on your dashboard, your refrigerator, your mirror, minimum eight times a day out to God in the universe. Don't try to figure it out. We yep. kept working with her. She was in my six month program. It, uh, three months later, we're working on, on a business challenge and she sits up real tall and she looks at me. I said, what's up? She goes, that's another place I'm not showing up for me. I said, exactly. And as she began to gain that awareness and then replace it with the leadership habits and principles I was giving her, we doubled her income in six months. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Like speaking back on the reframe topic, yes. it's what I tell people, it's what comes after the but is what sticks in your subconscious mind. So for example, if okay. you know, going into... New Year's, you know, everybody wants to make more money. They want to lo lose weight. They want to improve their relationships. Th those are like the big, the big three every year. Uh -huh. So using weight loss, someone says, I, I want to lose 20 pounds, but it's going to be hard. So what's, mm -hmm. what's after the butt? It's going to be hard. So that's what's resonating in your brain. So if you flip it and you say, I know it's going to be hard, but I'm going to lose 20 pounds. So mm -hmm. now that that changes everything. So now you so now like you almost took away the excuse of it's going to be hard, but I'm going to lose 20 pounds. Mm. And like that's like the one of the first re reframe tools I, I use with with my clients, whether it's fit, fitness or in business, because because they they always state the want and then they state the obstacle. And, then, and I'm like, if you do that, you're going to focus on the obstacle versus and focusing on the end goal. What would happen if they didn't speak into existence the fact that it was hard? My clients, yeah. we don't, we don't even speak that into existence. My clients do not use the word failure. Um, yeah. I, I, one of the tools I use, I took from boating. Now I'm not a boater. I get seasick like crazy, mm. but I, it's called tacking and all boats can tack. <clears throat> the ones that tack the most are sailboats and then, you know, your speed boats and then your, your cruise ships. But yeah. tacking, attacking allows you to see success more quickly, celebrate more often and make effective mid course corrections very quickly. And so that's one of the tools I use with my clients, including with the art of celebration and empowering questions. So when my clients, when we put the macros in place to get to the micros, excuse me, the micros to get to the macros, mm -hmm. um, if something doesn't work just right. It's we'd learn to do it without judgment. We don't say, oh, that was bad. That was stupid. That was a dumb decision. We say, hmm, that was a learning lesson. What didn't work and what can we do differently? So one of the things I would share with your audience that I really work with my clients on is changing the definition of the word success. Yes. My clients learn to change the definition. The, the success is in the attempt because action begets action, right? Yep. I mean, indecision will cost you more than a poor decision any day of the week. Agreed. Right. Because you at least get into action. You can, you can course correct or pivot. That's the word that's out to these days. Um, but it allows you to, to mid course correct. So, 
when I'm talking about, you know, reframing from an empowering position, I believe that we create as we speak. And we have to be really careful. It's not just what we speak out loud. It's speaking to you up here. Yes. What if, yeah. what if I didn't say out loud that it was going to be hard, but up here, oh, it's hard, oh, it's hard. But you're, you're creating in your mind. And so I, I encourage my, my clients, they don't even own that negative part. Don't get me wrong. When they come to me, they do. They come to me. And that's why that's just one of the tools that we work on. Yeah. And yeah, the, the queen of empowering questions, and she would say something like this. It's January 2021, and, and I am so excited to be quickly releasing 20 pounds and enjoying every minute while I'm doing it. Yeah. That, that's an empowered statement. It's specific. It's time-bound and empowered statements. You have to create empowered statements to really, really craft uh, quality, empowering questions. And an empowered statement always has an embedded presupposition in it. Yes. Way too, way too much teaching for today, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but it's it's foundational. And I, I'm going to give your audience this one because I'm feeling generous and it's going to be on my freebie anyway. Um, the most empowering of all empowering questions. But you have to remember the caveat. Your job is not to figure it out. What else is possible? Whether you're in a situation that you choosing to deem negative or even positive. I told one of my clients who was resistant to doing this, I said, I don't care if you win $10 million in the lotto tomorrow, you celebrate like hell and you go, I just won $10 million. What else is possible? Right. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're telling God and you, I'm open. I'm open to what else is possible. And I have client stories that I, I'm amazed that I get to see the transformation when people really adopt these empowering questions and put them into use on a consistent basis. It can be life-changing. Yes. Yeah. Like once, once the, the switch flips for, for people, like that's where my, my passion gets fulfilled as well. Mm. Same, same thing. Just watching people going through the, the, the negative emotions and just dealing with, with all, and then just watching it, just watching the change occur. And it's like, yes, like they got it. You know, they got it like that just lights, lights your soul up on fire. And that's why we do what we do, you know, to help, to help people have those breakthroughs. And and one of the things that because I'm, I'm really all about personal accountability in leadership. And I had a client. Um, he came to see he was January of 2019. First of the year. He was mad as hell. For the first six minutes, I'm sitting there and he is stand up, sit down, F-bomb the wife and her business, F-bomb the kids and the budget and the cell phones. And I just kept sitting there saying, just say I choose. Just say I choose. Finally, after six minutes, he goes, OK, girl, I choose. <laughs> I said, awesome. I stood up, gave him a high five. I said, sit down now, because now that you're choosing, you can choose to do something differently going forward, can't you? And he kind of looked at me. Interesting. I gave him homework for his wife's business, his business, you know, all these things. The next time I saw him two weeks later was the first time he came in dressed in business clothes. Nice. First time. And he said, here's my homework for this company. Here's da, 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 da. Now, fast forward a couple of months, my clients in my six month program, they send me a prep sheet 24 hours in advance of every session. Yeah. So that we don't waste time in telling a bunch of stories. I want to make sure I'm bringing full value for the full time team. We hit the ground running. Yep. So this one particular morning, this gentleman didn't do it. So he comes in and I give him a hug. Think about how I asked him. I didn't say, why didn't you send it to me? Mm -hmm. I'm going to, your audience is going to get this. No, why? And cause he would have gotten defensive. And I said, he said, I said, I was looking for your prep form. I didn't see it. 
he sat up and he goes, I chose not to send it. <laughs> <laughs> he boomeranged you. <laughs> True story. So I said, what compelled you to make that decision? And he started to give me a story and he goes, nope. He goes, that's just a story that I'm making up. He goes, I chose, I own it. I said, and you can choose differently going forward. Yes. He said, yes. He never missed another piece of paper. So I'm telling this to your audience because there's power in choice. And so often what I see is people give up their power because they say, it's the boss's fault. It's the company's fault. It's my mm -hmm. husband's fault. It's every time you give it up to somebody else, you're giving up your power. So and true. And then you're wondering why you're not happy. Yeah, right? with, with my business coach, every, every Tuesday we have a big Zoom call and we, we go over the core values and value number one is everything is your fault. Mm, like yep. everything. It's like no matter what it is, if there's traffic, you didn't leave soon enough. You know, if, you, if you're leaving and there's a flat tire, you know, like you didn't catch it soon, soon enough. Like everything is on you. Like there's no opportunity for you to point the finger anywhere else mm. because you can only control your choices, your attitude and how, how you adapt and how you adapt to situations. So like he, he hammers that part home every Tuesday. It's important, especially as an entrepreneur. Um, I was on a, I was on a podcast the other day and I happened to say, you know, if your business isn't working, it's your fault. Yeah. And this one lady looked at me and I said, yeah, that's how I felt when someone said it to me. I'm glad they said it to me. Yeah. Right. Because we want to go, oh, the automation isn't there or the funnel aren't there. Well, why aren't the funnels there? You didn't do the lead gen to get the funnel, right? <laughs> but so, so often people, there's, I mean, gosh, there's just power and choice in being able to say, I choose. Because then if it isn't working, you can choose differently. Yes, exactly. It's all about adaptation. Yes. Yep. So like in my pr process, the, the, the seventh step, the, uh, uh, the seventh step is just... <laughs> Grind, adapt, grind, adapt, grind, adapt. <laughs> that, that's it. There's, there's nothing else in that module. <laughs> Just grind <laughs> and adapt, grind and adapt. <laughs> so as long as you keep doing that, you won't have to start over. You know, because th things aren't always going to go as planned. You know, there's this just, just now, like here in like Rhode Island's this big. You know, Rhode Island's probably the size of Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh wow! <laughs> so, so everything here, you can get to it quickly. Like all of our ma major cities, they're all on top of each other. And so it's not like I went out to, to uh, Colorado before and I went to three places and drove 150 miles <laughs> in those three, three places. <laughs> here, here you drive 150 miles, you'll be almost in Pennsylvania. So, that, oh, that, you know, <laughs> just, just to put it into perspective. So, so here people take for granted for mm. times like, oh, I can, I can get to the mall in 15 minutes. Then you get out to the highway and there, there's an accident and there's traffic now and people don't, don't know how to act because you only budgeted 15 minutes. Mm. Yeah. Like I, I do my best to be a little bit early no matter what, what I do. But, but even still, I budget extra time in case of traffic, case of accidents, whatever sure. else. So that way it's in my hands. You know, so I don't show up like, like, oh, well, you know, had to feed the kids or whatever. It's like, yeah, but you know, you knew this appointment was at this time. <laughs> so like you could have fed the kids 20 minutes earlier. It's like, don't blame the kids, you know, blame anything else. Like, like you got to take that self-accountability. Absolutely. And one of the things that I teach my clients is you go into a meeting late, you show up to anything late. 
don't say I'm sorry, because that's making it all about you. I want yeah. you to learn. To, I want you to learn to say thank you for your patience. Let's get the meeting started. Thank you for your understanding. Mm. make it all about them. And let me tell this one client. I mean, she picked up on that right away. I can't tell you how many times she'd say, thank you for your patience, Carol, because she'd send me her prep for and late. I mean, she would say it every time, <laughs> but um, make it about them. Thank you for your understanding. You're right. Thank you for your patience. And then you hop right into the meeting. Cause like you said, you said it, everything else is, is just a story. And um, you know, I tell people, you know, established female business owners and a few good men, right. Hire me because I do have a heart for raising up women leaders. I tell people when I walk into a room, it's all women are on a networking thing. I tell people I help women know their value, own their power and advocate for themselves so they can rise up and become the lioness leaders they were created to be. Right. Mm -hmm. And so often, and I see it with my male clients, my male clients will advocate for themselves much more quickly than my female clients. Right. There was a article in the, um, Miami Herald a few years ago that I kept and a lady was allowed in to this big company's books. She got to look at everything that's going on in this company. Then she sits down with the CEO, older white male. And she says to him, I went through all your books. He goes, okay. She says, you give men promotions way more often than you do women. He sat back. He goes, yeah, I do. Mm -hmm. And she said, you give men raises more often and you give bigger raises. And he goes, yeah, I do. Now, by this time, you know, the hair's up on the back of her neck being female and she's all bent out of shape. And she says, why do you do that? There's that Y word. And he said, because the men ask. They ask. So often women, women want to go, well, they see the work they should just know. No, no, no. If you don't ask, the answers always no. I want my female, you're going to rise up and be a leader. You don't want to just have a seat at the table. You want to have a voice at the seat of the table. Yes. Yes. It's like I do I do women's empowerment groups, too. And sometimes, you know, people come in and they see me. It's like, you know, I'll have I'll have women there to to speak to the group. But, you know, I run it. I put it together. I decide the topics and everything. And then some people come in. They're looking like, you know, like I thought this was a women's empowerment group. And so, and, and I always opened with the same line that said, if, if you're looking for empowerment, it shouldn't matter who's delivering it. That's right. I said, that's number one. <laughs> I said, I, I chose to focus on women because like you said, men dive in blindly, yep. <laughs> you know? So sometimes men will jump into something that's not meant for them just because they can do it. Women are more right. calculated, you know, they're mm. more reserved and they're more, like they're going to take in more of the info before they decide to act. And so what, what happens too with, and again, I'm not saying all, I'm not lumping everyone into the same category, but you know, women are a lot more empathetic than men are. So, oh, yeah. so when people are going through hard times, sometimes other women tend to, I don't want to, I want to say this properly. Like they tend to identify. Whereas, Men, we are not wired for empathy. Mm. <laughs> you know, so so sometimes we can just help people move on from that. And again, I'm not saying it's better or worse. Just some people need that style. Not everybody. It's kind of like training. Some people need a more gentler hand. Some mm. people need somebody in your face saying, shut up and grind. Yep. <laughs> you know, so so I threw my hat in the ring just to give a different approach. 
because like I'm very stern with the women that I work with. I'm like, listen, I, I know you're a single parent. I know you this. I know you that. None of that matters. It was like, you know, when people bring up bring up race, it's like, yeah, it doesn't matter where you were born, what you look like, what your gender is. It doesn't matter. If there right. is an end goal, you can get there. If That's you right. if you want to get caught up in the coulda, woulda, shouldas, you're not going to make it anywhere. And like, and that's how I approach my groups. And then people that need that, it attracts them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, statistics show that women won't apply for a job or a promotion unless they know they're 100% qualified. Men will do it if they're 60% qualified because they're willing, to, like you said, they're willing to get in and they're willing to figure it out. And another thing, at least with my clients, it's pretty all across the board that I help them with is setting healthy boundaries. Yeah. And I had a friend, I had a friend, she's in corporate America. They loved her in corporate America. Why did they love her? Because she took on all the projects. She never said no. And she started having panic attacks. She didn't know what they were. Then they became full blown. She went to a doctor and she came to me and I said, what precipitated this? And she said that she had five projects on her plate and three of them had major deliverables in the same week. And in that week, she was out of town for the other one. And I calmly said, did you ask your boss for some support, some help? And she goes, no, I can't do that. And I said, what would be the reason that you couldn't do that? She said, I don't want her to think I can't do it all. And her boss was a female. And no, you got to understand no is a complete sentence. You must have boundaries, right? And it's okay to ask for help. I know men deal with that too, right? Oh, I got to be strong. I'm not going to ask for help. Asking for help, asking for help comes from a place of strength in my book. Yes. Yeah. And and that's one thing that I hammer too about the whole independent thing, you know, with men and women. Like I'm, I'm a single parent here too, right? I have five, I have five kids. I have um, 50-50 custody with uh, my ex, with my three little kids. So, but that's that's not that's not an excuse. You know, like it's not it's not an excuse at all. So whenever you want things in in life, in anything, like you said, you have to ask for it. Like at one of my women's empowerment groups, I see I lost my train of thought there, but I pivoted. Right. So at one of my empowerment <laughs> groups, I took out a twenty dollar bill and I was like, who wants this? You know, a couple of hands went up. And so i set it in my hand and I went just let me go in the camera just like this. And nobody came up and took it. Not mm. one. Not, not one. I was I was in California at a training meeting, and there were a thousand of us in this meeting. And so the guy on, on stage who was running it, he says, you know, we're gonna do hot seats. He's like, we're gonna select four people. You can come up on stage and you get eight minutes to pick my brain. I closed my laptop, I put it in my bag, and I shifted down to the end of the end of the row. And he's like, who wants to come up? I jumped up and darted to the stage. Good for you. You know, and like in hundreds of hands went up, but I was the only one that ran down there. And I was like, I do. You know, That's right. he's like, he's like, Robert Foster, come on up. And uh, I got, I got my, my eight minutes. I took it. But like, but that's a difference. Cause one, one difference I feel between men and women is that women struggle with feeling selfish. Yes. Whereas a lot of men, we do not. <laughs> you know, like, if we want it, we gonna go get it. <laughs> and and I try to help. I try to help w women with that and let them know, like, when you're happy, when you're healthy, when you're empowered, everybody around you benefits. 
Yes. You know, everybody benefits. So, so, but by you holding on to feeling selfish, like you're actually dimming your own shine. Yes. You know, it's, it's like you were put on this earth to shine, not to be in the background. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I teach my clients, especially women, you have to fill your cup first. Yes. You give to, you give to others from your overflow or you then you end up depleted and nobody benefits. Yes. Nobody benefits. Yep, I agree a hundred percent. And like in over the years, I was working with teens, I was wor- working with with men, with men's groups, and and I was like, you know what? It's like my my lane is working with the women, like primarily moms. It's like that's my that's just my my lane. Like maybe it's because I grew up with four sisters, I don't know, but <laughs> you know, so growing up with the four sisters and being in the restaurants. There's pri- primar- primarily females working in the restaurant. So 20 mm-hmm. years of that. So after a couple of decades, you start hearing the stories and, you know, you start picking up things. You, you, you hear the struggles, you hear the relationship issues, you hear the job issues. And, you know, so even though I do fitness, I say fitness is the platform to women's empowerment. Mm. Yeah, so like I put them through a hard workout, and as they're going through the suffering, I tie it into everyday life struggles. Mm. You know, like someone's hold, holding a wall set. I'm like, you gave birth to three kids. You can't hold a one minute wall set. <laughs> <laughs> That'll piss them off. <laughs> you know, stuff, stuff like that. I'm like, you are a mom. I'm like, you are the backbone of your house, and you trying to tell me you can't bear crawl fifty yards? It's like, come on. <laughs> so, have you thought about designing um, a non-physical fitness empowerment group for women as, as part of your coaching program? Is that is that going to be a part of your niche? Yes, yes, it is. It is. Yeah. So, right, right, right now, when I start, because like it's going to be called "Shut Up and Grind," okay. <laughs> and so I have it seg- segmented, like. I don't want everyone all in one one group. Like it's going to be segmented. Right. So I'm going to start with other gym owners first. Okay. And then, then I'm going to pick different niches from there. It could be like salon owners next, massage therapists next. And mm. just keep cycling through like six to eight weeks of just pouring into that one demographic. You know, that way everyone's cool. speaking the same language. That sounds awesome. Yes. All right, so we got we got a couple minutes left. So again, how can people get in touch with you? Um, all of my social media is the at sign at the T H E at the Carol Boston. That'll take you to all my social media at the Carol Boston. My Facebook group, it's a new group that we're getting started. It's Year with No Fear. Year with No Fear. Come join the group. Um, we got big things we're planning for kicking off in. January, I'm going to be putting, like I said, a freebie in there that's going to give you five empowering questions that you can use to address any area of your life that you feel challenged in uh, getting started with the coming year. Um, and if you, if I'm someone you resonate with and you want to hear more about what I do with my clients, then you can connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook or PM me or just Carol at carolboston.com is my email. It's pretty simple. Anyway, <laughs> I love, love to get to know you. And I'm, I'm so glad you joined the group because it isn't just going to be me uh, in that group to be candid with you. I did a 21 day summit back in June and July, and I was blessed with amazing entrepreneurs from across the globe. And my summit was called year with no fear. Okay. And they all brought tools, tips, strategies, and tactics to help people step into their year with no fear. So I'm going to be taking some golden nuggets from all of that into that group as well. Awesome. Can't wait. Can't wait. All right. Final word. 
Final word. Yep. If you could learn to adopt what else is possible without trying to figure it out and use it, you will never be stuck. Never. Love it. All right, Carol, thank you for joining. Thank you. Have a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, or whatever you celebrate. Christmas. Thank you. You too. Awesome. Thank you very much. Take care. Uh All right. Bye. All right, guys. So that was Carol dropping a very, quite a few golden nuggets there. So if you're catching the tail end of this, you'll want to go back and listen to the entire episode. So again, it's an hour. Yes. But just think about the things that you watch that are long, that are longer than that. You know, people watching football games all day long, watching Avengers Endgame for three hours. I know I I watched that movie, too. But you got to take the time for personal development. Like we're here for you. This isn't just so we can we can hear ourselves speak like we want to pour our passion and our experience out to you guys. So you guys can have the breakthroughs that you need in your life. And remember, if you got obstacles, just shut up and grind and work for those goals. This is Rob Foster signing off for episode 30. Have a great day. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com slash speaks on Instagram at robert underscore B underscore Foster on Twitter at RBF underscore fitness and on Facebook at Robert B. Foster. Till next time, shut up and grind.